ladies and gentlemen, emanating from the basement of Cheap Seat Studios, this is Over the Barricade with your hosts, Ryan Downing and Lee Brando! Hello and welcome to the Over the Barricade podcast. I am your host, Ryan Downing, joined as always by the constantly consistent guest star, my tag team partner, Lee Brando, as heard by our apparently brand new announcer. And brand new theme song. Yeah. I thought there'd be more applause. No applause this week. Well, as was mentioned, we're... I don't know how we're in the basement of a basement studio, but somehow we're even... We're so underground... We are underground, the uh, under the underground. We're double underground. Does that mean we're the heroes of the underground underground? Yes. So could Ska, he, heel Ska play at any moment? Uh, I don't want to think about a scary world like that, but I guess so. Hmm. Anyways. Anyway. <laughs> this isn't live. Like This isn't live like last episode where we were at KatsuCon and it was awesome. It was pretty. It was pretty good. Everybody who uh, everybody who came was uh, was wonderful. That was a pretty funny day in general. Like getting there, thinking nobody would show up, and then like seeing a line of people that couldn't that wanted to get in so badly they wanted to invade the panel before ours. The panel before ours. I'm not gonna bury it, but it didn't draw. It did and- not draw. A lot of lot of. A lot of empty seats where there were no butts. And I'm not even sure what it was about. Um, but when we got in there, I remember you had asked for a relatively small room. And they had given us a room approximately ten times as big as we had thought they were going to give us. Yep. But we made it work. Just so we're clear, the number, the seat number for the room size I asked for was perfectly suited for what we actually got in people. That's they decided true. to book us in a bigger venue, and that's just true. bad booking. You just... I knew the audience, and I told them, and they should have listened to me. It's like the New Japan show in Adelaide. Ooh. Ouch. Too soon? We'll get into all that, because... You know what, Ryan? I have so many notes in front of me. It's crazy. I have none. <laughs> well, oh, how the turntables. <laughs> what? Did you just say, oh, how the turntables? Oh, how the tables have turned. Oh, how the turntables. Now we're DJs. Yeah. Actually, huge twist. Uh, We are turning this into a DJ podcast. (laughs) We're just going to talk about wrestling's in the past. DJs are the future. I don't know how over the barricade works for DJ, but we already have the branding, so we kind of can't go around. Yeah, that's true. So, well, where do we begin? Oh, we should begin with talking about ACW. We should. Um, Unless there's anything on Katsukon you wanted to cover. Well, we had a chance while we were uh, while we were at Katsukon to uh, talk to a couple people afterwards. Some uh, some awesome folks. Uh, marks in the best way possible. Yes. Uh, high marks. High marks. Um, Wait. No, that doesn't sound good. That sounds so bad. That sounds... you know what I'm trying to say. Like you want to hit a high mark. Yeah. All I thought of was the room. Oh, hi, Mark. 
I'm glad I'm glad you did it. I didn't have to. Um, but uh, it was it was great. Uh, it was really fun. If you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. We released it earlier this week as a special bonus podcast because we wanted to have that separate. Not as a regular episode. We were so at plus we were so excited by the turnout and how people uh, came and and really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Like people were coming up to me afterwards, being like, "That was great. Can I take a picture with you?" Like, okay, I I'm surprised. It's the beard. <laughs> it's the beard. It's the which beard. You can vote on for the next six days on my Twitter at Lee Brando underscore. If you want to find a poll, if you want to vote on whether Brando should keep the beard or shave the beard, I'm not gonna lie. I voted twice. For, you wait. You can vote twice. <laughs> I voted for me and for the show. Oh, because, okay. Because the beard makes the show better. <laughs> Until it scratches against the microphone. No. Um. For right now. The keep the beard people are way ahead. It was 67, 67% to 33% last I can get, time I checked. I can get you the live poll results. This is an exclusive, an exclusive. on the Over the Barricade show. The live polling results. We're losing the all the people we got from Katsu. Right now it's, wow. Right now it's 83% to 17% for keep the beard. You can put that razor away, my friend. You're not getting rid of it if you're going by the Cancel my results. subscription to Harry's. <laughs> All right. So a uh, lot of notes, a lot of things to get through. KatsuCon was awesome. Uh, huge pop. Huge pop. Got H- over. Huge pop. Got over. Uh, best people ever. Best people ever. We hope you're listening, and we hope we see you at a con again. We certainly do. We are taking a look at taking a look at the uh, convention schedule in our area over the next year and starting to maybe plan some things out. We'll definitely keep you posted. But I know we were we were both pretty excited about that when we originally found out it was going to happen back in the fall. So yeah, I'm really glad everything came off really well. Um, we put a lot of we Great put a lot of work into, into that presentation. Drew Gulak would be proud. He would be so proud. Except I built it on Google Slides and then converted it to a PowerPoint. That's a little insider knowledge for you. Inside baseball. I don't. I don't know if our listeners uh, should be privy to such confidential info. I, as long as the announcer doesn't tell them, we'll be fine. Okay. Um, does our announcer have a name? Uh, <laughs> he's. <laughs> I don't know. He's a, the first thing that came to mind was weird, so I don't want to say it. He's a constant professional. He is. So we should talk very quickly about ACW. We yeah. Uh, we were both at that ACW show. You more than I on opposite ends of the barricade. That's how this dynamic works. That's how the show got its That's name. Literally, how we pitched this show when we first came up with the idea we have fan we have wrestler and we are going to go over the barricade cross over the barricade and talk to each other about our respective experiences at these wrestling shows so a good example would be acw this uh last friday night in glen burnie maryland glen dirty is one uh jerry the king lawler who went full heel Full heel. It was great. Man, he buried Ellsworth, Glen Burnie, the state of Maryland. The announcer, the ring... The Larry, Larry. Larry, the announcer, who is not our announcer. He's just Larry. Um, the I think, guy ringing the bell, the, the referee, he, he, Lito's Pizza. Lito, he buried the sponsor. <laughs> the sponsor. Um, but it was a good time. 
Uh, he buried just about everything in you, sight. You told an awesome ACW show, uh, a- ACW Austin Aries story from that's on the Katsukan episode. So we don't have to go through it again. Go no. listen to the Katsu episode. Go listen to that one. But it was pretty funny. It was really funny. It involves Austin Aries banana. It was fantastic. Um, Still not a euphemism. N- no, it's not. Never was. Never was. Uh, but you got you actually came out into the crowd at one point snuck into the crowd oh well are you talking about the main event yes okay so the not show... not during your match no. <laughs> no that did not happen brando did not go brandishing a chair at the audience despite what he might have wanted to do at times yeah and uh i don't know i was kind of over yeah you got I like you got that a, audience you got a good pop they, i like that audience and they kind of like me but no um so the show was a very solid show. There was like seven hundred people plus there. I, they I, oversold that show they, a little bit. Yeah, they had a number of chairs set up, and very near eight o'clock when the show was starting, they were still putting out additional seats because people were still filing in. And my girlfriend asked why we needed to be there so early. <laughs> um. So yeah, it was jam packed. The venue was great. Two full bars. Okay. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's those were the that was the nicest setup for that I've I've seen. E- ACW is not afraid to serve alcohol, and I tell you, they had some alcohol that night. <laughs> it, the the beer was flowing like wine. The- anyway, whatever that saying is. Um, so no, it was a great venue, great show. Um, first half of the show before intermission was headlined by Sean Carr versus versus Austin Aries, which I thought was a fantastic match i actually dipped out of backstage for that one too but i stayed more hidden because i hadn't gone on yet i watched that that was great um intermission happens i'm on the first match after intermission in a six-way tag against the bully club they they kind of keep we kind of keep crossing past the bully club and i you guys need to get some like counseling or something. You guys or need just to find. Fight. You guys need to find a way to bury this bury this hatchet that's that's come up between you because it. You, well, you and it started with you and Adam Ugly, and now it's branched out into the whole Bully Club. Like, well, if you look at the track record in ACW, anytime it's one on one with me and somebody in the Bullet Club, like or Bully Club, like Adam Ugly, I win. Anytime the numbers are on their side, they seem to pull out the victory. And I think that speaks for itself. Excuse me. I think that speaks for itself. And um, I ju- I'm just saying, I don't care. I'll take on one, two, three of you. I may lose, but I'm going to take a piece of you with me. And there's a really great video of uh, one of my favorite spots in that match that Robbie Blizzard of Valhalla Visions, the "Quote unquote indie hard cam posted, <laughs> where you see uh, Buzz Striker give me a splash. You see PJ Parker give me a big body splash in the corner, one right after the other. And these are you know three hundred pound men running full force into me. I these are heavyweights. These are heavyweights. And I've been uh, you know the, the the boots have been laid to me already. I'm pretty much out. But I fought through it. And when Adam Ugly and his scrawny little body comes at me. I got him. And I got him twice. And, you know, we did end up on the losing end of the match. I did not lose. I want to make that abundantly clear. Um, one of my partners did. But all I'm saying is bring it in a fair fight. ACW booked the match. 
Bring in a fair fight. Me versus one of the members of the Bully Club with everyone else barred from ringside. And we'll see, like usual, that I will go over. Strong words. Anyway, you're talking about the time that I was in the crowd. That was for the main event, and I saw a lot of the talent sneak out for that because that's when we all took off our working shoes and we became marks again because the main event started with like a 25-minute promo between Jerry Lawler and James Ellsworth and then turned into a pretty solid you know, Memphis-style match. The whole thing was really Memphis-style, um, and I we couldn't ask for anything more, really. Um, As huge wrestling nerds, we were eating everything yeah. up. I'm not so sure that some of the more casual people there appreciated it as much as the huge wrestling nerds did, but I know for a fact the huge wrestling nerds were loving it. And I'm sure the huge wrestling nerd in the ring probably was also loving it. Yeah, and um, <laughs> the the all of the huge wrestling nerds in the ring. Um, so I think that the fans left with their money's worth, and I'm really excited for the next time uh, ACW can put on a show in the area and uh, we see what happens then. It was a good night. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, that being said, we have a lot to get through and not a lot of time to do it. The uh, Well, which hemisphere would you like to start in? I think we should start in the east. Like the... Uh, the very far east. The far east, what, what Bobby Heenan would call the Orient. N- no, because... No. Just... <laughs> Just give me Japan. Okay. <laughs> I'm not saying it. I'm saying what Bobby Heenan would call it. Um, basically, the big news this week uh, and last week was New Japan's tour of Australia. It was a four-night tour. Um, On the most recent being the Elite, the, uh, the Young Bucks talked about flying for that. They flew to Australia, flew home for 18 hours, then went back to Japan. <laughs> yeah. Because they're insane. Yeah. Because coach flights are just so comfortable. Um, coach flights from... from For 18 hours. Japan or Australia to I think that's LA. the longest flight in the world, right? The ones uh, to Australia. Usually. It was New Zealand, but New Zealand. pretty much same same area. Oceania. Yeah. Oceania. Um, so this was a four-night tour. Before we get into the numbers and everything, it's important to note that Australia is a country that Japan does not have a large number of subscribers to New Japan World from. They have no television there. Um, So it's all word of mouth. And with it being word of mouth and with other festivals going on in Australia, they still had a very successful four-night tour. The first night they were in Adelaide. Uh, The main event there was... Okada and Ishii in a tag match against the Young Bucks. Okada went over Matt Jackson in the finish. Hmm. The second night, and they, uh, the first night, they drew about 1,200 people. It didn't look really great because the building they were in sat 8,000, but it was financially a success. And well before any of the four shows started, the merch was sold out. Really killer merch sales. And it's to be noted, the average ticket price was well over $100. So they made out. Um, Second night, this is the 17th of February. They were in Melbourne. This show had about 3,200. This was a sellout. 
Um, the the main event was Omega and the Gorillas of Destiny against Okada, Ishii, and Rocky Romero. Uh, o- Omega uh, with the win over Romero then cuts a promo, um, basically saying the Bullet Club is fine, but Cody is not fine, and he will have to deal with Cody himself. And we know that Supercard of Honor twelve, the main event is Cody versus. Omega, so I'm sure that'll tie in. Um, the next night they were in Sydney. They drew 3,400 people near a sellout. Uh, the main event was Okada, Jay White, and Osprey taking on Cody and the Young Bucks. Chaos versus Bully Club. Bullet Club. Yes. Um, brought that brought that mistake full circle to there, right there. Yeah. Uh, Okada with the win over Matt Jackson again. Um, this they they actually had a funny promo. It ha- it almost seemed planned, but afterwards Jay White was cutting the promo and he called Sydney Melbourne and got a lot of heat. Um and to the point where Osprey was rolling on the mat laughing and Okada was making fun of uh <laughs> uh Jay White. Uh and then the fourth night they were in Perth, they drew about 1200 again. Um, and the main event there was actually Evil and Sonata taking on Okada and Romero, and Evil with the win over Romero. Um, so pretty successful and interesting tour. Like I said, merch sales were crazy. Um, they're going to, because of all that, they're going to come back much sooner than anticipated. It was originally going to be years before they came back. Now they're thinking November or December they're going to do another tour. That's pretty good when you can have the your your one of the territories you're going to run is the whole country. Yeah, and there's <laughs> there's the Gold Coast, there's Brisbane, there's places that they can go to that they didn't hit. They'll probably still hit Sydney and Melbourne. Those seem to be pretty strong. Um, but there's other places that they can hit. Well, you gotta hit the big towns. Yeah. Um, lots of filming of being the elite, a crowd chanting in unison, a certain word, the revival. Um, we can't, yeah, they, they're not allowed to say that. Yeah. They're not allowed to say that. Uh, but the crowds were super loud and the people, all the reports coming out of there is that it's the best live shows that they've seen in those cities, Mm -hmm. uh, which is pretty impressive given that. Um, you know, the old WCW, not the American WCW, ran there for a good portion of the 60s and 70s and had killer shows. And WWE has run shows there, and they do have the appeal. And NXT's even toured there recently. Yes, uh, that infamous uh, Nakamura-Samoa Joe cage match for the cage didn't come down. Yes. Um, And for for some reason, they showed the super, like, shortcut of that when they first aired it which was odd because it was on regular tv yeah some unfortunate news uh from new japan evil evil is out with injury he has a broken orbital bone and uh that's usually a pretty long time i remember when aries had that uh last year the year before with nakamura kneeing him in the face it took him out for a good long stretch so i think he was out for like six or eight months or something but i Part of that was, I think they didn't know what to do with him at first, and they came in and had him be... I think he was cleared when they had him come back and be like an announcer, mm-hmm. um, but I think they decided they wanted to have him do that, and that build to his intro. Uh, yeah. But orbital bones are tricky. They can take a long time to heal if you're not careful. 
and it's not something you can work around. Which or... really, which really sucks for Evil, seeing that he's one half of the tag champions. Yeah, so I guess they're gonna have to figure something else out there. Uh, but they were uh, the the New Japan crew was filming this, so it's likely at least in impartial to end up on New Japan World, so we can see some of this. Um, there is, if it ends up on New Japan World, there is apparently a match in on the fourth night. It was the semi-main, and a lot of people were saying it hurt the main event because this match stole the show so well. It was a three-way between Will Ospreay, Robbie Eagles, and Cody, and apparently it was just crazy good. Um, so look out for that if you have New Japan World and they put it on there. Um, there is uh, one more thing out of Japan. And this is not New Japan related, but the great Muda is, uh, you know, of course, legendary uh, wrestler all around the world. Probably, Mm -hmm. I would say probably top five uh, Japanese stars in the sense of outside of Japan, like to the rest of the world. Um, Would you, this is a weird question to ask because I'm giving it to, giving it to you out of the blue, but would you, you would, would you put Muda up there in the same category as like Enoki like Ricky Dozan, those kind of like international fame. Well, I would say, I would say Baba, Baba, Inoki, Ricky Dozan, not so much outside of Japan. That's true. Definitely I, in Japan, the yeah. biggest, but not so much outside of Japan. Uh, but definitely Baba and uh, Nakamura at this point, I would say. Um, and then Great Muda, you know, I think. I think those would be all in that conversation. Inoki, yes. Um, you forgot uh, Jimmy Wang Yang. <laughs> I did. I did, unfortunately. Um, how could I ever hey, Jimmy myself? Wang Yang found a nice little niche for himself. But I don't even... Wasn't he born in, like... He totally was. Texas or something? Yeah. Okay. He was He was definitely not... Uh, he, was, he was an American. But anyway, great Muda, uh, who's Kaiji Muda... Um, He's undergoing double knee replacements, um, which could spell the end of his in-ring career. Now, he claims he will come back. He is currently the owner-operator of Wrestle 1. That's his promotion. And he still works. Uh, but, you know, Muda was known for his moonsault. And that repetitive, you know, big guy doing a moonsault is probably what... what Got his knees shot up. Well, it, when you do a moonsault, you're going to make heavy... Well, some of the heaviest contacts going to be on your knees every time because there's no way to slow it down. Yeah. If you do it right, because if you do it wrong, you're either kneeing the person on the ground or you're taking your own head out. But this is what Sorry, I love Lita. about Muda. He's 55 years old. He, he was des- just wrestling. He desperately needs two knee replacements. But before he gets them, on March 14th and March 25th, he's going to be wrestling. <laughs> Of course he is. Uh, what you, so is now serious like level of of stereotype with Japanese wrestlers. But between him and Tanahashi, do we have enough biceps and knees to go around in the country of Japan? I don't know. You can stretch it thin, but eventually that bicep meter is going to run out. Nine biceps. Um. So I, by the way, uh, I just looked up Jimmy Wang Yang. Mm-hmm. Um, he James Carson Young. Uh, yes, he uh, he is from name. Los Angeles, California. Okay, and apparently he is an American entrepreneur, actor, and retired professional wrestler. Oh, okay. Also, I 
didn't know he had a run in TNA and then Ring of Honor. <laughs> I Sorry, like I knew about the TNA one, but not the Ring of Honor one. Okay. Anyways, as we were, so that is that all of our Japan news. That's all for you know this week. There's there's more going on, but that's well, all the big that's all the big stories. Uh, very successful New Japan Australia tour. Muda's knees. Evil injury. That's the big headlines out of Japan this To this week. point, I believe the only match that's been announced for Strong Style Evolved, which is going to be in about a month, mm-hmm. is a month from this weekend, actually, is Rey Mysterio versus Jushin Thunder Liger. Yeah, that's been announced. There's a lot of speculation on other matches, like we talked about at the Katsukon panel. Jericho Naito. Jericho Naito. Um, possibly something involving... Omega and Cody and oh that was one of the things um we had a big tease on um where is it night two where Okada and Omega actually squared off again and we got a tease for Okada Omega four um well that, that was since they don't sweet. know how to have a match under six stars yeah I I think we're all ready for it if they did that at Strong Style Evolve that would be insane I don't know I mean. We know that Okada has picked Osprey for the 46th anniversary show to defend his IWGP Heavyweight Championship against, which should be an insane match. And that is going to—that's going to be after Strong Style Evolved, right? Uh, yes, I believe so. So it wouldn't make. It, I don't see them taking the title off Okada for a long time at this rate, and it wouldn't make sense to have Omega go up against him again just to lose, in my opinion. This. We have the Olympics on, and this figure skater is a weeb. <laughs> Just a Olympic update here on the Over the Barricade podcast. I know it Anyways, was so speaking random. Of, speaking of weebs, uh, Kenny Omega... I was trying to figure out if you could... They're playing Sailor Moon. I'm sorry. I'm just... I'm so distracted. Yes, weebs, Kenny Omega. weebs, Kenny Omega has been announced for two things this week. One, he's been announced for WrestleCon in New Orleans. That's the uh, weekend of WrestleMania, the big convention. Loaded up with meet and greets. The Crash uh, featuring Rey Mysterio. Revolution Pro, Impact Wrestling featuring Scott Steiner, CZW, House of Hardcore, a bunch of other promotions. They're all going to put on shows at WrestleCon. There's signings, Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart. Everyone you can think of is going to be there. And now Kenny Omega. And the other thing that Kenny Omega has been announced for is the Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea, which features the Supercard of, or excuse me, the Sea of Honor tournament where the winner will get a future chance at the Ring of Honor World Championship. So, Kenny Omega, making the rounds. The 46th anniversary show is March 6th, so that's in a couple weeks. Oh, so it'll be before Strong Style Evolved. Correct. Okay, so, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Who knows if they'll even defend the championship? In my opinion, they're going to make the main event the U.S. title match, uh, so we'll see Omega, but I don't think it's going to be versus Okada. Well, according to this, Okada and Osprey is not going to be a championship match. Hmm. Which makes sense. Uh, Osprey is in chaos. Yes. And they don't put the they don't go for the title in their own groups. Uh, at least that's chaos doesn't. True. True. Um, I guess also also in the Kenny Omega and other big indie shows or big non WWE shows news, all in heavily favored not confirmed don't say you heard it here but if it's true say you heard it here first that it will be in chicago 
on Labor Day weekend. That's that's the idea. And to the point, I wonder if there's anybody from Chicago that might that might get rumored to be on that card. Well, that's funny you mention that because apparently a lot of people on Twitter have have asked that question. Ah, uh, you know, I bet Colt Cabana is going to be on that card now that we're talking about it. No, no, the best tweet from Colt Cabana lately was in regards to the the Sports Illustrated article of, uh, <laughs> where they talked about uh, Joey Ryan buying a $525,000 house in Los Angeles with, quote-unquote, indie wrestling money. So Colt Cabana tweeted, Why is no one, or breaking news, Colt Cabana buys $5 sub from Subway with indie wrestling money. <laughs> which was, which is, I did see that, which was fantastic. Um, I also saw somebody responded to Joey Ryan. Like so to that uh, to that article and said, shoot, that's in L.A. He just got a one bedroom, one bathroom studio apartment. Right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, back to uh, the uh, person from Chicago possibly being an all in. People have been asking CM Punk about that, and his reply was, "People, people ask me if I'm in. You know, I'm in. Hashtag everybody in, which was a Chicago Cubs slogan. Yes, and he posted a picture, and like the the reaction online was fabulous. And Punk doesn't have a problem every now and then just messing with people, which is good. Which is good. Which is wonderful. He hasn't lost his sense of humor, and hopefully, he hasn't lost his love of the wrestling fans. Um, I think he's lost. I think he lost his love of some wrestling fans. I think he lost his love of wrestling, and yeah, some of the fans. But I think maybe he can reminisce about it and maybe come back. I don't know. I'm not one of those people that need it or cling to it or bring it up every Royal Rumble. But it could happen. We did have somebody around us at the Rumble who did mention CM Punk coming back, and we all laughed at them and and their poor life choices. And, and moved on with our wanted lives. wanted to send them the meme of Kylo Ren saying, let it go. <laughs> um, let's talk about Ring of Honor. Might as well. It's uh, it's wrestling. Yeah. Ring of Honor, um, March it- 3rd mm-hmm. coming up is Manhattan Mayhem mm-hmm. in, surprise, surprise, Manhattan. Um, there, could could it even be more? Is it is it in the Manhattan Center? No, it's not in the Manhattan Center. I don't think. I'm pretty sure it's not. Maybe our crack research team can look up the location. I'm pretty sure it's more uptown than that. Research that, Jimmy. Is that our announcer? No, that's our crack research team. Oh, okay. It's just Jimmy. Um, so they're building towards the Ring of Honor 16th anniversary show, which is going to be March 9th in Las Vegas. Uh, the main event of that show is Dalton Castle versus Jay Lethal for the Ring of Honor world title, which is, should be a great, great match. Just getting word from Jimmy, Manhattan Mayhem... Seven had to read Roman numerals. I don't know why Jimmy wrote those in Roman numerals. It is indeed at the Manhattan Center's Hammerstein Ballroom. Oh, well, looky, looky. You were right. It is definitely Manhattan Mayhem in Manhattan at the Manhattan Center in the Hammerstein Ballroom. Thanks, Jimmy. Hopefully the Manhattan Center will be uh, a little more pleased with their wrestling offering this time around than they were at Raw 25. Give us something. (laughs) Um, So anyway... They're building towards the Dalton Castle Jay Lethal match for the 16th anniversary show. So on this show on Manhattan Mayhem, they have a tag team match: Dalton Castle and Volador Jr. taking on Jay Lethal and Ultimo Guerrero. That's going to be pretty cool to see. Well, now, well, now, 
They also have the Bullet Club, uh, consisting of, in this iteration, Adam Page, the Young Bucks, and Marty Scroll taking on SoCal Uncensored, which is uh, Christopher Daniels, Kazarian, Scorpio Sky, and Shane Taylor in a four-on-four way match. They've got the Women of Honor uh, now featuring Tennille Dashwood. Uh, They have Punishment Martinez taking on CMLL's Soberano Jr. That should be a great match. Um, And my favorite of the night, Cody taking on Flip Gordon in a fans choose the stipulation match. And if you'll allow me, I will read to you the stipulations that fans can choose from. Will you allow it? Oh, please do. One, Lumberjack match. Okay. Two, two out of three falls match. Or three, Flip gets booked on the all-in show. I am so (laughs) pulling for Flip Gordon all of a sudden. Why am I rooting for Flip Gordon? If you're not privy, there is a great build and relationship between Flip Gordon and Cody on being the elite. It's almost like, if you've ever seen The Office, it's almost like Michael Scott and Toby's relationship, where Michael Scott just hates Toby vehemently, but for no reason. And that's that's the Cody to Flip Gordon relationship. I just great. voted. You just voted? Which I one did you vote for? I voted Flip should get all in. <laughs> um... Of course, this is going to be the first show available for the now-launched Honor Club, which is Ring of Honor's new streaming service. It's actually a really smart way to do it. It's $9.99 a month or $99.99 a year. That includes 50% off pay-per-views, uh, video archives, uh, You know, they're going to record house shows sometimes and put those on there. Ticket pre-sales, 15% off merch when you buy it online. That's pretty cool. They also have a VIP package, which is $119.99 a year, and that includes every pay-per-view. So that's almost worth it uh, because not only do we have Manhattan Mayhem, the 16th anniversary show, but coming up in April, we have the Super Super Card of Honor. I went real like New York. Super Card? The the Super Card of Honor. Up in... Uh, <laughs> Thinking of WrestleCon? Yeah. Up in New Orleans. Um, up in New Orleans. Down in New Orleans. Now, what's interesting about that... Your accent work is great. We we know that Cody versus uh, Kenny Omega has been announced for that. It was... So this is pretty neat. It right. was the top-selling uh, ticketed event. Like, that sold the most number of tickets to a wrestling show outside of WWE that weekend. Until yesterday. Oh. Yesterday, it was surpassed by none other than Joey Janela's Spring Break 2. (laughs) (laughs) I had a feeling. Go on. Which is just edged. Now, Ring of Honor could come back and could sell more tickets. But Joey Janela's Spring Break 2, uh, which the main event is advertised as Janela versus the Great Sasuke, um, is going to go down at midnight on april 6th so that's pretty cool and if you haven't checked them out they've produced these really cool like retro video game style uh video packages to sell the uh to basically be advertising those are pretty cool you should you should check those out um so i thought that was pretty pretty great uh i'm 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 looking at i'm i'm trying to find a lot of what's going on here. Um, 
but that's really I you know I've heard a lot about that too. Oh, uh, I see. Okay, it. so basically the backstory is last year was the first Joey Janela spring break and really nobody knew what to expect. It was fairly new. Um and they were in Florida last year, right? For WrestleMania. Uh yes, Orlando. Orlando. Yeah. So it was in that area and the show went off and the show, you know, all the shows like sold really well besides a couple and everything was super hot. Tons of wrestling fans. Of course, WrestleMania was a big success and everything like that. But the story coming out of the weekend was Joey Danella's spring break. That's what everyone kept talking. I remember hearing so much about it following that WrestleMania weekend that I was like, okay, this is crazy. Like Joey Janela, he's a name. He's a, you know, a good worker, but why is it and apparently it's like just a crazy party hardcore wrestling fan atmosphere you know post midnight wrestlemania weekend it's got everything you want for you know a hardcore wrestling fan so it was it was pretty obvious they were going to do a spring break two and it's pretty obvious by the ticket sales that uh people are really excited for this i saw walter was going to be there is that what you were looking at i mean is that what our research team was looking at (laughs) Uh, Jimmy wasn't doing a very good job, so I had him work on something else. I, hon- I honestly couldn't really, we couldn't really find the 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 card to see what was on there. It was not the easy. The, where you buy tickets, you can't see the card. I'm not sure much has been announced yet uh, for a there lot been a of few. those shows. Like there's, na- they usually announce names for these things. Like for instance, the Impact Wrestling show at WrestleCon is like we're gonna have. Aries, we're gonna have Moose, we're gonna have Eli Drake, um, but then after that, you know, we, we're not announcing matches. Well, you can't have EC3 and Lashley, so we know that. Um, should we talk about the WWE? I mean, I mean, I think we kind of have to with the first two thirds of Monday Night Raw this week. I, how do you feel about that? I really, really liked it. So, well, I liked the first hour. As as I have said before, I typically cannot watch Raw live. Uh, it's too much of a grind at three hours. So I watch the Hulu version. Mm-hmm. I went to the gym this week and decided oh, I was going to go. On, I was going to go on the treadmill. I'm not trying to put myself over. I'm literally just saying what I was doing. <laughs> I got on the treadmill for an hour and I watched the Hulu version the entirety of that match that they had on the Hulu version. Okay. And when I first heard that they were going to have a two-hour... Because obviously I'm hearing about it the next day. I ha- I heard that they had a two-hour match. Well, yeah. Hour and... Uh, let's see. They're marketing it. They are branding it as a two-hour match. The, the actual time was 106 minutes and 55 seconds. So 107 minutes, let's say. That's the actual time... But with an WWE, hour, an hour forty-seven. Yeah, an hour forty-seven. But to WWE, and that's close enough. Two hours. Yeah, uh, it, it certainly. Anytime you have something with WWE, it always feels longer, um, which is too bad. But um, I mean, how I did was, you feel about? The I was booking incredibly of the match? nervous when I heard about it. So, hop on the treadmill, hit play. You tried to stay on the treadmill the whole time? An hour and 47 minutes, you're telling me? Hang on. Okay. Hulu version. It was cut down. Really? Remember, no commercials. Okay. And 
they can do tricky edits with that, but I don't know if they actually edited any of the match outside of the commercials. Okay. So that match gets a lot. Sh- that match gets to about an hour when you cut out most everything else that happened around it. Uh, surprising, yes, but that's essentially what happened. So Rollins comes out, cuts his promo, mm-hmm. and. Well, Roman opens the show, right? I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. Roman, Roman opens, opens the, the show, show, and he goes through, and he's talking about everybody. And then Rollins' music hits. And then those two go at it, and that first, I will say, the first match of the Gauntlet match really worked out very well. Um, they booked the first part incredibly well. Mm-hmm. The storytelling made sense, up except for... I don't understand why you would try so hard in a gauntlet match five, six days before an event. That is that part bothers flaw. me. The flaw um, is that, and and it's not like they were wrestling for you know second to last entrance because our, our there were or, no stakes. You know there there was nothing at stake, and you want to be fresh for the elimination chamber. So in that sense, it was bad booking because it it didn't make sense. And, I also and, and furthermore, in their post match interview, Rollins says it didn't matter. So. While there's a match going on. While the match is still going. So it's like, that's iffy. But the match itself, or the matches themselves, because you really, it's unfair to call it that. WWE is going to call it the longest match in their history because they're counting it as one match. And that's not really accurate. No. Um, No, but they were putting over Seth Rollins as being the person in in a match the longest in Monday Night Raw history. That is true. Triple H in an Iron Man match. That is true. Seth has he so his actual match time was sixty two minutes and sixteen seconds. Still not as long as Rey Mysterio. It's actually four seconds longer. Than oh, Rey, was it? And Rey Mysterio. I don't know what his advertised or his build match. I time thought it was sixty two minutes and twenty two seconds. So sixty two minutes and twelve seconds. Um. So Didn't even need to talk to Jimmy about that. Four seconds longer. No, I did the research. All right, good job, G- Jimmy. Why don't you go get a couple coffees or something? Okay, leave us. I got it. I feel like it's weird that we that that our that our uh, research intern is named Jimmy because now it's going to get confusing anytime we're talking about another you, much more famous Jimmy. I don't I don't know why I hired somebody named Jimmy. You I should have hired better. him. I should have known better. I should have gone in after Jake. Or Joey. You know, we could give him a nickname. No, it's Jimmy now. What about uh You know when Spud. L- when Lil Jimmy <laughs> when Lil Jimmy got done with our truth, he needed something to do with his time. Yeah. He's been bumming it, looking for jobs in the wrestling business. And, and you know what? Here. He wound up here. Yeah, and sometimes you just studios. you gotta be an intern at Cheap Seat Studios to yeah. make ends meet. We're not paying him anything. I but he's allowed know. to sit in here for an hour a night. I didn't know once it was, a week. I didn't know it was the little Jimmy. I'm starting to think we're never going to get those coffees. I I don't drink caffeine, so that works for me. Well, they were both for me. Ah, crud. Um. So so so, so Rollins Rollins sets the sets the high mark in time in a yeah. single match. But I will say, essentially, my two concerns going in were. Why would you do this, have a two-hour-long match to start your show? I didn't get the benefit of seeing it live, so I didn't know what they were doing until they had already done it. Um, Or I realized what they had done beforehand, before I sat down to watch it. Additionally, why would you give away all of your your competitors' 
essentially in contact with each other right before a big ma- uh, pay-per-view you need to sell. Well, I mean... Well, sell. They don't WWE really doesn't really work to, to sell, sell it. The, the, the crazy thing is the financial model has changed so much that they don't really need to sell the network that hard, and they're definitely not trying to sell single single events. Free, free 30-day trial. Yeah. Um, the big money grabber is television rights fees. I mean, so much. I mean, 90% of, of it, you know, is television rights fees. So with this match, they were experimenting. They tried something new, and it paid off for them. It's not to say long matches always are going to equal bigger ratings or, you know, this was the first time. But I think you can definitively say that anyone that says long matches equal less ratings is wrong. Well, and you think back to some of the really good long matches they've had on free TV. Yeah. And, you know, they're you don't look back on them and say, man, that was a terrible, terrible match. Because I, I know the first really long match that I saw on TV that was just a free TV match was Michaels versus Cena post-WrestleMania 23 in London. Mm-hmm. And... That match went oh, that match went about an hour if I remember right or pretty close to it. 55 minutes 49 seconds. And it was a great match. Yep. It was a Shawn Michaels match on a big stage. Of course it was a great it, match. It it really blew away their WrestleMania match, which was already great. <laughs> at at the time and I was still very young in my wrestling fandom that was that for a long time stood as one of the better one of the best WrestleMania matches that I had seen personally. Yeah. For a long time, and some people will say blasphemy, but <laughs> you have to remember when my my WrestleMania watching started at twenty three. Well, you know Michaels was hot at Cena in that match. I did not know that, but the um the part at the end where Cena goes to shake his hand and Michael walks away, that was a shoot. He Cena or Michaels was supposed to shake his hand, but you know Michaels had just been hot at one too many botches or one too many miscues on Cena's part and was fed up with it. It actually worked better because it yeah. it made that rivalry last a lot longer. And it was, had, it was a good rivalry. And, the, and, I mean, and that hour-long match probably doesn't happen if that handshake does. Maybe. Probably not. I don't know. I it don't wouldn't know. have they, had as much heat as it did. No, it wouldn't have been as, you know, seeing it and it wouldn't have the same vibe. Wouldn't have had the same steam. Yeah. Um, um, but let's talk about long matches. And but let me just recap the ratings real quick. So Raw was up seven uh, percent on average this week from last week. The second hour was the big thing. So the first hour did three point five two million. The second hour did three point five one million. So they virtually lost nobody in the second hour, which is crazy. The second hour was up 9.1% from the week prior alone. Now, the third hour, which turned into the mid-card and the women's hour on this show, did suffer a huge drop, but nothing that wouldn't be the normal number for a regular week. So it did 2.82 million. So they lost about, I don't know, what is that, 600-some-odd uh, thousand viewers. Which uh, is a big drop. About 700,000 from the Se- first 700,000 video. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so that was a big drop, but it's not that bad considering considering also they were up against the Olympics. Um, so this is a good number. This is actually 
uh, one of the better numbers of the year. And SmackDown, which usually retains about 80% of Raw's viewership, did that again. And this was um, following six weeks of straight declines in ratings for SmackDown. They were up this week, and they had their best, their biggest audience since January 2nd. So, good for them. Um, now, as far as long matches go, as far as Seth's performance goes, we, we already said he was four seconds above Rey Mysterio in the 2006 Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. WrestleMania 12 legitimately went 61 minutes and 52 seconds, so he's above that. He is below, he is below a match between Pedro Morales and Bruno San Martino at Chase Stadium, September 30, 1972. Which was referenced on Raw by Michael Cole. It's said by the WWE, which again exaggerates, was 75 minutes. The actual time was 65 minutes and 5 seconds. So, a couple minutes more than than Seth Rollins' performance. Um, But if you break it down, if you break it down into like separate matches so it'd be like Rollins versus Reigns Rollins versus Cena Rollins versus Elias you know if you break it down into separate matches the Rollins versus Cena part of that gauntlet match went 34 minutes and 22 seconds which is the fourth longest match in Raw history which is only about 12 or about 10 seconds shy uh 10 or 20 seconds shy of Omega and Naito in last year's G1 Climax Final, which was the longest G1 Climax Final in the history of that event. Just yeah. for weird extra context from <laughs> that I remember from our New Japan panel. That's good. You pulled that out with, with no Jimmy here. No he's Jimmy. Out at, he's out at the coffee shop. I, it's, it's late. Um, <laughs> I don't know if one's going to be open. But no, so that's the fourth longest. Third longest match in Raw history was a six-man between Triple H, Randy Orton, and Batista against Chris Benoit, Chris Jericho, and Edge. That was in 2004. Then the Shawn Michaels versus John Cena match from London in 2007, which went 55 minutes, 49 seconds. And the longest match in Raw history... I really like your note for how long this match was. Please go on. Longest match in Raw history was in July of 2004, Triple H versus Chris Benoit in a 60-minute Iron Man match. Legit. That's because they had a timer on screen at all times. Yes. Uh, you can't game. You can't game it necessarily when you yeah. have when you have it there constantly. It's not like the Rumble yeah. where you can hide the clock and then just start it whenever you want. Well, the last ten seconds is all that counts. The last seven, because that's what we were able to catch up and count along with, and then that's meh. True. Now, if you ask the WWE, they will probably tell you their longest match was a curfew draw from August of 1964 between Bruno San Martino and Waldo Von Erich. Oh, that's actually the match that that Cole referenced. Probably. Which, you know he had... They obviously... That... Not that I have anything necessarily against Cole in that moment, but it's very, very painfully obvious that you don't just have that stat sitting on your desk every week thinking, this is the week. He's been having it for 20 years, waiting <laughs> for the moment to break this one no, no. He knew it was going to be a long match. He was prepared for it. At that point, it, it did hurt a little bit of the, 
the momentum. The mystique and everything, yeah. So this was at Madison Square Garden. This was for the triple WWF title. This was back in the, the WWF, the yes. World Ro- Worldwide Wrestling Federation. Easy for you to say. Mm. Um, Waldo Von Erich was billed as Fritz Von Erich's brother. They had been tag team partners in the past. They had actually held the NWA Tag Team Championships in mm. 1967. So this is billed as 81 minutes um it actually went 12 (laughs) definitely less than 81 minutes i think is fair to say um you know wwe which is known for exaggerating they've called 60 minute man iron man matches uh 37 minutes in so who knows how long that fritz or waldo von eric bruno san martino match actually went is it on the network I don't know. I don't know. Probably uh, we should, not. We should go back in time. I doubt it is because I don't know I about the television at that point in time. But um, I would like to say for that match, the Cena-Rollins, I think, was, I would say pretty clearly was the best part of that as definitely far as pure ending, wrestling. Definitely the ending and the drama and the story of Seth and, really made that match the best part of that which, gauntlet. Which would not have happened if it if Rollins and Reigns hadn't done such a good job in the first yeah. one that their first match is what's really set up that Cena match and what made it I was saying like man they put Rollins over yeah they really made him I was saying it was like this is the night where Chris Jericho beat The Rock and Stone Cold except Rollins just beat Reigns and Cena back to back with no break so they really made him I I have theories as to why they really made Seth Rollins. I think it's because he's been buried in the tag team division, yeah. and he's been holding the torch for Jason Jordan, and now he's hurt, and they're like, well, we got to make him legitimate again. Yeah. And this was a heck of a way to do it, and not that they needed to make... Rollins is... Even though he's got some short... he's hasn't been around terribly long in the WWE scene, all things considered. He has enough credibility at this point that you can take him from almost any program stick him in a world title program and it makes sense yeah and if reigns needs challengers for after wrestlemania well you just beat him yeah so you have a good you have a good thing there good claim to it and uh we think it's gonna be balor and uh, rollins at mania now right kind of seems like what they're aiming towards i could see it and i wouldn't be mad i think that would be a good match i think it'd be a wonderful rematch from their SummerSlam match which could have been even better if not for a the fans making it about themselves and chanting about the color of the belt yeah and b balor getting hurt yeah which you know had to definitely influence some of what happened in the rest of that match yeah you got to hurt hurt pretty early on so yeah like three minutes in um but uh, it definitely went down a little bit when it was Elias and Balor, which is a little unfortunate because yeah, they've, was... they've made Balor not matter as much. And I didn't. I was a little sad when the fans started chanting against the two of them. I could. Well, we want Braun is what they started chanting. I think it would have almost worked a little bit better if when Elias ran in. He slipped on a banana peel, which, you know, not literally, but figuratively, and Rollins rolled him up and got a quick win on him. And then you're like, oh, my God, Rollins is just going to run the whole thing. I think it would have worked better, but I think at that point— And then Balor goes over. Everybody that came into that match looked better coming out of it. Even Miz did not look any worse leaving that. And Miz and Strowman at the end was fabulous. Miz is legit one of the best— 
one of the best uh, face actors as far as wrestlers go in mm-hmm. the world because you knew as soon as he realized that it was Braun coming out, you knew he was going to be able to take a minute, throw on a face, and just have the utter realization. And he did it to perfection. We are running out of time. So let's let's wrap up the WWE news. Very quickly. Uh, SmackDown. Um, we get more builds towards Fastlane, um, which will be the last SmackDown exclusive pay-per-view because starting after WrestleMania, starting with Backlash, all pay-per-views will be dual-branded. This has been officially announced now. Um, this, is, this is a result of doing the... You know, uh, sole branded shows not affecting the network number at all and causing more expense from the network's, you know, budget. Um, so they're they're chopping the number back down. They, they reduced the number that they were going to do this year for pay-per-views by two. Baltimore had payback on May 27th. That's been cut. So sorry, Baltimore. And uh, Nashville on September 30th had Hell in a Cell. That's been cut. Although Hell in a Cell has been moved to, um, let me see here. Where do I have it? Hell in a Cell has been moved to September 16th in San Antonio, which was going to be Extreme Rules. Extreme Rules has been moved to July 15th in Pittsburgh. And that was going to be Battleground. Battleground's just going to be dropped. So Payback and Battleground are the two pay-per-view titles that have been cut from this year. Thank goodness. Backlash and Payback don't make any sense. Backlash was always better than Payback as a pay-per-view name. I'm glad they brought it back. It makes way more sense right after Mania. I'm okay with this. I'm not a huge fan of... Well, to be fair, they weren't booking the, the... pay-per-views properly anyways it was slowing down the the, story and it was well and they they clearly long-term booking is not wwe strong suit no at least not anymore um and maybe it never really has been just in their model of how they have how they kind of push shows and push stars uh i think this is a gonna be an overall better move we were and yeah, they wwe had to hear all the the cracks about well it's two more weeks and we have another pay-per-view I feel yeah. a lot better knowing I don't have to worry about sitting on a Sunday evening every other week to watch another pay-per-view. I think it will be better from a viewership standpoint. I think there are some negatives. Are we going to now get four gimmick matches, like two women's Hell in a Cell and two men's Hell in a Cell? Or- that is interesting because now the match, you're with the number of titles they have, if you're going to defend them at every, every pay-per-view or almost every pay-per-view... It's going to be the whole show. Yeah. So I think... That's going to be a thing I worry about. More multi-person matches in general, which are, you know is going to clutter things up, and it'll definitely hurt lower card talent with getting spots on shows because um, there's just going to be less room. Right, right, right. Um, but anyway, so SmackDown is building towards Fastlane. They're teasing a breakup between uh, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. His Sami guardian Zayn, angel. Yeah, Sami Zayn telling Kevin Owens he'd lay down for him if it comes to that. Please do the finger poke of doom. That would be the greatest thing ever. Uh, I'm not liking the U.S. title thing. I don't think it's getting anybody over. Nope. Nothing for Shinsuke again this week. Is he on vacation? I'm I'm not sure. He's a rock um, star. Uh, Ziggler, Corbin are faces? I, I, I don't know. I do like the build they're doing with Charlotte and Ruby Riot, where they're beating their teammates but not each other, so they're remaining strong. I'm getting tired of seeing the same six-woman tag, though. That is true. Um, okay, so that's all I've got for SmackDown. For NXT, the big thing this week was Johnny Gargano lost a title versus career match against Andrade Cien Almas. 
um, after interference by Tommaso Ciampa. It was a really good match. Candice LeRae and Vega got involved. It was really great. But now... We're running out of time. Do you have <laughs> anything to plug in the 45 seconds we have left? Um, okay, I'll plug some... 45 seconds left. I'll do it really fast. Ready? Uh, Gargano's at NXT. Mixed match challenge. We're out of the first round. All charities are going to get $10,000. The winner's charity is going to get $100,000. So we figured that out. Um, 205 Live, they finally released the bracket for the Cruiserweight title. Buddy Murphy shredded down to 205 pounds. I like the concept. He's trying to make weight. He's still in the running. My personal picks for the final would be Roderick Strong versus Buddy Murphy. I could also see Drew Gulak uh, in that final match. And as far as myself, Lee Brando, I can announce right now that I will be in Hazleton, Pennsylvania on Friday, March 2nd for Sanctuary Stunt Show. Yes! <laughs> I will also be on March 18th. It's a Sunday. I will be doing a TV taping for Warriors of Wrestling in Staten Island, New York. Wow. Um, that is a cool thing, but I don't think anybody would be able to go to that because I think they're pretty much full up. Um and there will be more to come in the near future. Thank you for listening. This was Over the Barricade. We don't have our announcer for the outro, so uh, thanks for listening. We'll uh, we'll see you all next week. This Sunday is Elimination Chamber. We didn't get a chance to talk about any of the matches because we got wrapped up in all the other stuff. It's been a while since we've been able to do an actual show, so... Uh, we appreciate it. We will talk about what happened at Elimination Chamber. Seven-man Elimination Chamber. First all-women's Elimination Chamber. We'll see how that goes. We'll talk about it next week along with any other developments with New Japan as we head towards the 46th anniversary show. Of course, every week we get closer to WrestleMania. More and more happens. So we will see you guys next week. Stay tuned for the plugs. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash barricade show. Follow us on Twitter at barricade show. You can listen to the show each and every week at soundcloud.com slash barricade show or search for over the barricade podcast on iTunes and Google play. Follow Lee Brando on Snapchat, Twitter, and Instagram at Lee Brando underscore and send him a friend request on Facebook. Just search for Lee Brando and don't forget you can send us an email over the barricade podcast at gmail.com. Send in your suggestions. We'll see you next week.